When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and it's been one week since our last episode. I'm Tommy Rico, and when I saw Hulk Hogan slam Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3, I asked someone to pinch me. I'm Julie Harrison Harney, and if I had a million dollars, I'd definitely use a portion of that money to buy one of those MJF being chased by Brian Danielson t-shirts. But odds are it's going to be all right. In fact, everything is going to be all right as we welcome our guest from Bare Naked Ladies, Kevin Hearn. Hello. Now, this is a natural fit. As I was saying to Kevin before he, he joined us, uh, Kevin posted some wonderful drawings of your, some events Kevin went to in Canada. And um, Kevin, first of all, thank you for joining us and thank you for writing back. And I said, you know, I think there's two people that like bare naked ladies and wrestling as much as me, me and Kevin Hearn. So, <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for being nice enough to write back and join us today. Well, as they say, John, if you call, I will answer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Kevin gets the best pun in there. <laughs> now, uh, Kevin, you're just wrapping up your big holiday tour up in Canada. I'm a longtime fan of, of Bare Naked Ladies. And, um, you know, I follow you guys all on Instagram. And I saw that I saw that you had some great drawings that you made of events you went to as a child at the Maple Leaf Gardens, right? There in, in Toronto. That's right. With your dad and with your brother. How old were you when you went to your first wrestling show up there in Toronto? Well, I'm trying to place it. Um, my family and I lived up in North York, and we had a friend. I had a friend named Jerry Zauner, and we used to always go to his house after school and watch the monkeys. And I was really getting into the idea of, being a musician, um, I'd never even really heard of r the wrestling world. But uh, my dad was friends with uh, Jerry's dad, Dr. Zauner, who was friends with a man named Frank Tunney. Who, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, Frank Tunney extended an invitation um, for Dr. Zauner and my dad to bring uh, the kids to the wrestling match. Uh, the Zauners didn't go, but my dad accepted and took us to uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. And I know Frank Tunney, just from looking on uh, online, uh, passed away in 1983. So um, I'm guessing I was probably uh, about um, eight or nine years old when we started going to the wrestling matches. But we we popped for the name Tunney, of course, because watching WWF on American television, Jack Tunney was the kayfabe president of WWF. So in the middle of that, you, as soon as you said Tunney, Tommy and I both, right, Tommy? The the anytime there, what was your favorite Jack Tunney decision, Tommy? Do you remember? I mean, when when he had to take the belt off of uh, Ted DiBiase, because that was the most right. that had the most gravity to it was. 
So Andre the Giant defeated Hulk Hogan with the help of Ted DiBiase and then surrendered the championship to Ted DiBiase. And that was called uh, that was called off by Jack Tunney. And then the, the title had to go up in a tournament, which was won by the Macho Man Randy Savage for his first ever WWE championship. Where did that happen? Was that Canada? No, no, the turn that was WrestleMania four. four. And if I believe at a uh, place uh, known as Trump Plaza Trump Plaza. Oh, yeah. In uh, Atlantic City. Wow. And, you know, I don't know what happened to that guy, but um, I, I assume he did good things. Uh, <laughs> when, when we saw when we saw Jack Tunney on WWF television, we knew something wrong had happened. Like there was something yeah. something bad had happened, and there there was a, a wrong that needed to be righted. But also, um, there was oh, Jack Tunney. There were a number of Jack Tunney moments, but Jack Tunney was also a territory booker in Canada, wasn't he? He had a connection the to Tunnies. wrestling in Canada. Yeah, he was yeah. he was Frank Tunney's son, I believe. Yeah. There you go. And, and Kevin, you saw Andre, right? Yeah. In Toronto. My gosh. What was it like when Andre the Giant came through the curtain? Because I've heard that that was unreal when you saw him for the first time. That there was nothing. Is that true? Well, you know, as a kid, you're still, these characters are like uh, Santa Claus and you're still sort of believing them, you know, but Andre was, was real. Like he was a giant. And when he walked in, it was just this like, seeing the Sasquatch or something, you know, it's like, uh, well, I, I, I don't mean that in a demeaning way. I just no, mean no. it was like seeing, uh, something miraculous, you know, and, uh, that you could feel the energy in the gardens when he came in. It was just like, I mean, because yeah, you can't fake that gimmick. You can't be like, you know, it's not like you go backstage. You're like, all right, I'm done being a giant. Now I'm going to get out of the giant gear and yeah. go and get, you know, He's not like The Undertaker where he's in a documentary years later. He's like, yeah, I know I acted like I was French Canadian, but this is my real voice and I'm only like six foot two. Yeah. You know what happens, Kevin? And I don't know. Do you watch a whole lot these days or have you kind of been away from it? I've been away. <laughs> it's it's contagious, though. And I'm sorry. But now that you've talked to us, the next time you're on the road and you go through the channels, you, it, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be you and Tyler. And you're going to be sitting next to each other. And you're both going to get sucked in. And then next thing you know, you're going to listen and Tyler's going to be on. You'll be like, oh man, they got him too. It's <laughs> contagious. Is that kind of what drew you in though? Because I know you as being a guy, you're really into art. You're really into music. So I saw Kevin, Kevin Hearn into wrestling. Was, do you think it was going there? Like what drew you to it as a, as a fan, as a kid? Uh, back then, you know, they don't come out and tell you that it's, that it's all set up and actors and, you know, and as a kid, you, you, even if there's a glimpse of knowing that, you can choose to go along for the ride and really believe in these characters. And it was really entertaining. And another aspect that I loved was the, the human drama of the crowd. And uh, I remember seeing an old woman beside me um, just holding a crutch up in, her air, in the air and shouting obscenities at Big John Stud, and <laughs> it it totally shattered my idea of what a, an elderly woman could be. Oh wow! You know, it changed my life and opened my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. That's such an interesting thing because it's true that, like, yeah, it's not only did the the wrestlers present characters that are so larger than life, but yeah, it brings something out in the humans watching it, which is. 
so unique to hear. Who are some of the other names? You saw? I know I saw you sent me a picture with Ric Flair. Yeah. And then Super, Superfly Jimmy Snuka. And who are some of the other folks up there? Um, the gardens. I saw and- Angelo King Kong Mosca. Uh, Roddy Piper. Oh. <laughs> Ric Flair. The, the Masked Superstar. Uh, yep. Sweet Ebony Diamond. Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Ricky Steamboat. Ivan Koloff, the Russian Bear, the Sheik, Mad Dog Vachon, Jay Youngblood, Andre the Giant, Greg Valentine, Big John Studd, Black Jack Mulligan. Those are some that I remember. Wow. I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, and then, of course, the mass superstar would go on to be Bill Eady in Demolition to any of our uh, other fans out there. Oh, he and did? Black Jack. Yeah, he, Blackjack Mulligan, and then I'm looking up Blackjack because just to make sure I get all the lineage there correctly is that he is the grandfather of Bray Wyatt. Yep, and Bo Dallas, that and was, uh, and the father-in-law of my of our, our old coworker Julie Mike Rotunda. I there did not know that. Yeah, so he, I just wanted to make sure I got all the affiliation right. So it's just it's a generational thing too, where it's like. The kids stay in the business. Well, I was That's... I was reading that Sweet Ebony Diamond was uh, a, actually a guy named Rocky Johnson, who was Dwayne Johnson's dad. We've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. sure. The Rock. Yeah, and that. Now let me ask you that about that too. Is just uh, of course Dwayne John. Do you remember him at all from his days playing there in Toronto, playing football? He was only I think on the practice squad, right? Or did you ever? No, I went, I went uh, all the way into music and left Got it. everything to do with sports far behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Well, so many great wrestlers have come from Canada. And, like, you know, who do you think might be the, the idol up there? Who do you think is kind of the icon for Canadian wrestling? Um. I think Brett the Hitman Hart has a really, you know, strong reputation. I know. I, you know, it's, I was going to ask, who is it and why is it Brett Hart? And then I decided <laughs> not to be a jerk. Yeah. So we're but, big Brett Hart fans. But are, Kevin, how, how do you think it would have been accepted in Canada if Brett Hart had been given his original gimmick, which was supposed to be cowboy Brett Hart? He was supposed to be Canadian cowboy Brett Hart. Not sure that that was, I think that was just like chosen out of a bag, but that was supposed to be his original gimmick. He was supposed to ride in on a horse and everything. Oh man, that's (laughs) funny. I didn't know that. You know, when uh, I remember walking to Maple Leaf Gardens when I was a kid and we, we actually passed by Ric Flair on his way to work and there was a big fuss around him. And I ran up to him and, and gave him a hug. <laughs> and <laughs> I came running back to my father and said, I just hugged Ric Flair. And I remember my dad saying, I wouldn't say that too loudly, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's usually the other way around yeah. with those stories when it comes to Ric Flair. So, yeah, I like that you turned the tables on him. <laughs> But maybe for a couple of years, he was like, I got to behave my, I don't like it that much when people run up and hug me and without asking permission. But, but then you had these, some, some of these wonderful drawings and we'd like, we'd love to put them up on, on our Instagram and show them off and everything. But 
you're also an artist. And that was such a cool thing to do because that's what I love to do. And as a kid too, I love to just draw the wrestlers. And then Julie, back me up. You at creative services at WWE, they do some amazing stuff, right? Like they draw pictures of what all the wrestlers are supposed to look like. Absolutely. So that's like a job. Yeah. That's a job kids can do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When they grow up. So when you were thinking of this, like, how did you, what draw you, what, what, no pun intended, but what drew you to say, you know what? I feel like, I feel like putting some wrestling pictures up on Instagram. Cause I always like, I always like to find out how people kind of go back down that rabbit hole and get into it again. Well, for me, it ties, it all tied together as a kid. I love comic books, Marvel comics. And to me, these wrestlers were sort of like comic book characters. And uh, I really loved drawing them. The one I posted was of the uh, Russian bear, Ivan Koloff. And um, I know we're going to talk about it a little later, but um, I just put out a record called Dreaming of the 80s. And I was trying to figure out what to put on the cover of the record. And back in the 80s, I had a little Kodak camera. And I used to take photos everywhere I went. And it's amazing. Now you can do that with your phone. But back then I had to, you know, take a roll of photos and then take it to Black's camera shop at the Eaton Center and wait maybe over a week, you know, before seeing the photos. But uh, so I went into my archives in the storage and started looking through my old photos. And I found these photos of... uh, you know, the superstar and Ric Flair and Jimmy Snuka that I'd taken. But I also found the drawings. And uh, in sort of wow. leading up to the release of the record, I just wanted to talk about the story of how I got the ideas for the artwork. So they were part of it. So I decided to post them. And those are the ones that you saw. <laughs> so That is so cool. <laughs> so it's neat to find them. Yeah, that's such an amazing thing. It'd be so funny if like in a few months from now, we find out WWE has hired Kevin Hearn to their creative service. <laughs> like someone really, it's like, okay, the new take on The Fiend. Kevin Hearn's behind it all. We're like, hey, wait a minute. We should get in there and get some of that. Well, you brought up a couple of minutes ago, Bret Hart. And so I always like, do, did you remember so this in the, the, the Montreal screw job? Was that like a big story up in Canada? Or is that something that didn't, because like down here, we assume... I don't know if you even if you if you weren't following it, but there was a thing when he left WWF where it, that he was supposed to win, and then there were some shenanigans, and there was a big documentary that came. Yeah, Kevin's, you're nodding, so you kind of know it. Was that is that like a big deal up there? Like, can Vince McMahon walk down the street in Canada, or is it, does he need like like a you know like a, a motorcade just to survive at this point? You know, I'm only familiar with that very vaguely in my memory, so I I don't know the answer. I'm sorry. But the fact that you, Kevin, one of the most peaceful people on the planet, kind of, that was a Canadian diss right there. That was the Canadian version of cutting a promo on somebody. Why? Like, I'm, I'm vague. I'm vaguely familiar with you doing something wrong. And I just, I just want to say it might be a little uncomfortable is, oh, wow. He just threw down. That is, (laughs) that is a Ric Flair promo. Kevin, I want to drill down on one of the names that you mentioned earlier of the people that you saw while you were in Canada, because he is very, uh, very commonly known as uh, being from somewhere he's not. Rowdy Roddy Piper, famous Canadian wrestler. Uh, People just assume because of the bagpipes and the kilts that he was from Scotland, which was his kayfabe town was Glasgow, Scotland, I think. But uh, George Roderick Toombs was born in Saskatchewan. 
and then raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba, the, also the home of Kenny Omega and uh, Chris Jericho, two AEW stars. So he is and was one of the biggest stars in the 80s, but mainly as an insane heel, as a super bad guy. And Canadians are generally known as very, very nice people. And he was the complete opposite of that. What was it like having the biggest, one of the biggest stars and maybe the biggest heel in wrestling in the mid 80s and Roddy Piper coming from Canada? I think the first time I saw him, he was a good guy. And it just boggled my mind when he became this bad guy. And I was like, what happened to that, that nice Roddy Piper? Yeah, because <laughs> he know? feuded with Flair early on in his career before WWF. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how they became friends and drinking buddies was they, were, they, were, they had a run together in the previous promotion. But then wow. um, being a fan of art and comics, there was uh, the connection to the movies where Roddy Piper became a movie star in, in They Live, which is a movie that still lives on in, in uh, cult fans all over the world. It's a, a very misunderstood film. Uh, it is something that some people see in a certain light, but an amazing movie that still lives on today. And uh, Roddy Piper, famous Canadian that uh, people just assume is from Scotland. Did you ever see him wrestle? I, I saw him do stand-up. What? <laughs> so I live out in Los Angeles. And uh, for, for the final few years of, of Roddy's life, he was doing stand-up occasionally. He would pop in at the comedy store in Los Angeles. And, and uh, he's basically a storyteller. But Roddy was a super funny guy and an, an amazingly uh, charismatic and captivating speaker. So it was cool to get to see. The comedians loved him, which is mm -hmm. not... Uh, usually the case with all celebrities that come in and just try stand up, but Roddy was just comedians uh, have a special connection, I think, to wrestling because the the damage it does to one's life is very similar. But Roddy was beloved by all the comedians, so I got to see. I never got to see Roddy wrestle live, but I did get to see him do stand up. That's really cool. He was great, and as a kid, he was you know captivating. But uh, what do you mean the damage is similar that it does to one's <laughs> life? The road, uh, yeah. the, the vices, I think they're all similar. And with, with comedians, uh, different from, from wrestlers, wrestlers are putting their body on the line where comedians are typically just, it's low money gigs until you make it, you're discovered. And so you, you kind of live these parallel lives where it's, your, your career is always in doubt and your mm -hmm. career could be extremely short if your vices take over, so... But there's a lot of connective tissue between wrestling and stand-up, and a lot of stand-ups are wrestling fans. Interesting. And then in, 20, and then in a year like 2022, in, in doing stand-up, you also put your body on the line, depending on where you're doing stand-up. So. <laughs> yes. <That's these> days. <laughs> Watch out for that yeah. glass. Yeah, there's a, then people also throw, throw beer cans at you. It's amazing. It's a, there's a lot of parallels that have developed. But you mentioned uh, your album, Dreaming of the 80s, and I've been following this on Instagram. And just the, the, tell us about this. and how this came to be uh, just because it, it just the name of it. I, I was hooked right away. I was like, Oh gosh, I'd love to go back. I'd love to dream of the eighties a little bit right now. Make that my alternate reality. So well, tell us about the album. Well, it kind of started with that photo I found of my father and he's wrapped in one of my mother's quilts back in 1981 and he's asleep. And I'd already done a version of, heaven by the psychedelic verse with my friend Hugh Marsh who plays electric violin and I thought this would be a funny cover for the record a record of 80s covers with my dad wrapped in 80s covers sleeping 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so during the yeah. pandemic, you know, we just started getting together once a week and uh, recording, working on two songs at a time. And now we have 14 cover songs from the 80s. That's amazing. It's, that's, and that's... it's, yeah, thanks. And it's very dreamy, dreamy renditions of these songs. So it fits with the title. Okay, cool. And then um, Kevin's on Instagram as well. So look him up, Kevin Hearn Music, and uh, you can get everything there and all your updates. And well, I got to ask you, since you're a fan, are any of the other guys in Bare Naked Ladies, were they wrestling guys growing up? I mean, there's a couple, not really, no? Not really, but I, you said earlier that Tyler would probably get into it with me. I think Jim Cregan would probably get into it with me too. Oh, really? I think he would be uh, very interested in the human uh, a- aspect of it. But I, you mentioned that you lived in Los Angeles, and I yes. I wanted to uh, uh, tell you about a memory I have from Los Angeles, and that is um, the first time I ever went there was a with this weird band I was in called the Look People, and we were staying on Sunset Boulevard, and one night we went across to a a bar called the Union Bar. And after we were there for a little while and we were all dressed in our rock and roll outfits that were quite weird and fun, we were invited into the back room where there was a, a party for the wrestlers. It was a private party. And, oh, wow. Uh, all the wrestlers were back there, good guys, bad guys, just having a good time. And I remember I saw Macho Man Randy Savage uh, was oh, leaving God. the party, <laughs> and I th- thought I got to go, you know, say hi to him and thank him for you know the entertainment. And so I did. I went and said, "Hey, before you go, I just want to say it's nice to meet you and thank you." And uh, he didn't say anything to me. All he did was lift his arms and flex his muscles. <laughs> right there on sunset boulevard and and that was it oh my gosh i love it that's amazing tom that might be your macho man story yeah it's up there i I got to i got man story (laughs) do we tell the full story story. okay this this is the time somewhat a bridge but this is a good story so i i got to share uh an exercise bike with macho man randy savage uh, he came to do an autograph signing at the opening of a gym that I worked at because I was a muscle head in the nineties. And this was when he had first started working for WCW. He had left WWF, uh, and he wanted to wrestle again and he immediately went to WCW. And so it was during one of the worst rainstorms I can ever remember. I'm from the Boston area and this was Watertown, Massachusetts. And he's there for this grand opening of this gym. They put out velvet ropes out front. They were expecting thousands of people. The rain was so bad, we got three people. Oh, no. Three. So <laughs> Macho Man uh, signs his three autographs, and I'm on an exercise bike. Now, I'm a gigantic Macho Man Savage fan. I am to the point where I hated and despised Hulk Hogan for a, the course of my lifetime because of the, the WrestleMania five Hogan going over Savage. I could never accept that. Uh, but I loved Macho Man and was just terrified of him being in my space. So I was pedaling away on my exercise bike and this was an empty gym, brand new facility, no one there. And Macho Man is in full regalia, like he's in full costume, tassels and and neon and cowboy, everything. And so he signs his three autographs. He says to the gym owner, mind if I work out? And they're like, no, it's your time. Do whatever you want. So 
there's an entire empty row of exercise bikes next to me, and I'm on the very edge of it. And Macho Man, rather than going into the locker room and changing into workout gear in his full costume, just <laughs> pops on the exercise bike right next to me and starts pedaling away and just turns to me and says, what's going on, brother? And he, like, I'm, I'm half Italian. And he just had this goofy Italian uncle energy. He was very self-deprecating, which I didn't expect. Which he's just pedaling away, going, gotta get the cardio in, kid. If I don't get the cardio, I don't look so macho. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I, so I, I'm having this full-blown conversation with this character who is bigger than life, and he's like that in real life. He's, he's, his voice is, he's keeping it down. He's not using, like, full macho man promo uh, voice, but... And he was just, he was just funny and sweet. And I, I, I told him at one point, cause it just, it struck me as like, this guy has to be macho man all the time. And that has to be exhausting. And I said to him, I said, it, man, it's gotta be tough being macho man all the time. And he goes, nah, kid, it's easy being macho. It's hard to be a man. And I was just like, well, now I know what I want on my gravestone. Thank you so much, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Macho man. But he was, he was just so, so funny and so sweet. And I, I was I like, I, I, wa I wanted to get off the bike, but I'm like, I'm never going to get this again. So I just stayed on the bike as long as he was on the bike. I think at one point he asked me, he's like, you got a girlfriend, kid? And I, I didn't know where that was going. I'm like, uh, yeah, because I did. And he's like, get yourself another one. You seem like a nice kid. You deserve to. <laughs> he's just just one liners and just such a goofy guy. But it was, it was awesome. I, was, I just now I'm just picturing him flexing on sunset. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Those are words, to, words of wisdom, though, man. It's absolutely. easy to be macho. It's hard to be a man. That's amazing. <laughs> he was well, awesome. One of, the, one of the things, though, Kevin, is that in, in wrestling, you got to decide if you're a baby face or a heel. If you're a good guy or a bad guy. And so take just, just in terms of performance, I just one thing before we go, because, you know, you just got up off tour and, and everything. Um, who do you think? I'm going to go through everyone in the band. And Barry Good Ladies, real quick, and tell me if you think they'd play a baby face or a heel or wise. So let's start with Jim Cregan. You brought up Jim a second ago. Is he well, a baby face or a heel? Just before this, could you give me a, a tutorial? A, a baby face is the good guy? Baby face is the good guy, and the heel's the bad guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with those terms. Oh, real fan. That's <laughs> awesome. We're jaded. We're, we're used to, yeah. So okay. is he a good, what, what do you think about Jim? Uh... Jim would be a baby face. Okay. Yeah. And why just nice guy, peaceful, easygoing guy. Is that actually, unless you, unless you try to take his food that's in the dressing room. <laughs> oh, so interesting. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it to a heel. Jim, oh, Jim's wow. going to be a heel. Yeah. Every, it's just like in wrestling. It all changes in catering. Yep. That's where everything <laughs> yeah. goes down. Okay. Uh, what about Tyler? Tyler is I, a heel. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> there's no, no, there's no two about ways it. about, yeah, the last 10 minutes of any concert. Yeah. You can't be a baby face after going, what about Ed? Uh, Ed's, Ed's a hero. He's, he's a baby. He'd be face. A hero. Oh, he'd be a baby. Yeah. Okay. He could, are you saying, are, he, he are you saying that? Cause hero. he's had, yeah, I was going to say, is he, he's head of your faction, so to speak though. So I was like, well, what about Kevin Hearn? Is he a baby face or is he a heel? We just don't know about. <laughs> um, I think I'm a baby face, but man, I would be a good heel because I'd be insane. <laughs> <laughs> a tweener. There's such a thing well, as a tweener, which is a baby face that can that can turn heel convincingly. Okay. 
All right. Now, as I mentioned, um, she's been very patient. My five-year-old daughter, Sadie, has been here this whole time. Sadie has this innate ability, Kevin, where Mm -hmm. she's able to just name characters very quickly. And so you've just laid out all the baby faces, all the heels of bare naked ladies. And so I have a picture right here. It's all four of you guys. And we're just going to play Sadie names them real quick. And she's going to tell you, in case you guys decide to make a career change, what your gimmick names <laughs> would be. Do you want to start? So here's Jim. What's his wrestling name? Dynamo. He would be Lady Dynamo. <laughs> Jim. Yeah. So there you go. I love it. Has, Jim is Lady Dynamo. Okay. And what about <laughs> Tyler? What's Tyler's wrestling name? Baby. Baby. Baby? Baby? No, Baby. <laughs> he would just be Baby. So Tyler, <laughs> Tyler would be Baby. That's his name. What about, what about Ed? What's Ed's wrestling name? I want a big backyard. The big backyard. That's uh, and then what's what's Kevin's wrestling name? Bloody. Bloody face. <laughs> In case anyone. Now that's so a heel name go. if I've ever heard. That's one. a heel name. Yeah. Bloody face. I just start well, with the bloody face every match. Yeah. <laughs> you just come out. PG yeah. gimmick 14 is a- rating for for WWE now. I'm already bleeding. <laughs> Your gi- yeah, your gimmick is that you have he has I can hear he has chronic nosebleeds. I can hear Vince's Vince's fish. I heard you ma- make your nose bleed. Make it bleed now. Hey, a guy did get hired after being able to throw up. Um, but <laughs> you may know him as Bloody Face. We still know him as Kevin Hearn. And Kevin Hearn's new album, Dreaming of the Eighties. The full thing will be out in February. Yep. And uh, you can follow Kevin on Kevin Hearn Music at Kevin Hearn Music on Instagram. And also stay tuned for another. Last Summer on Earth tour with Bare Naked Ladies. This is another last summer coming up. It's like the Ric Flair farewell match of <laughs> tours where it's just we keep saying goodbye. Kevin, thank you so much, my friend, and thanks for making time for us. Thank and you, we'll, Kevin. We'll let you know in the thank episode. Thank you, Kevin. Though. All right, thanks, guys. Kevin. Looking forward to the album. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Take Bye, Sadie. Bye. Bye. And it's our last episode of 2022, so it's time for year-end. Not a whole lot going on, because we had the holiday over the weekend. And no new Raw. Yeah, we won't be getting in as much trouble as usual, which is good. (laughs) Well, hey, real quick, before we go any further, uh, did you get to watch uh, Bray's first match? Tom, he proved you wrong. He wrestled at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, not on television. But it wasn't on TV, yeah. Oh, you guys are snobs. We got, I was going to happened to going we, out we with people. We got a raw recap for the year and, and Madison Square Garden got a live Bray Wyatt match. So I did wonder about that, except then I thought of it from the other end of all the employees that, because I was like, wait a second, if you're working anyway, why aren't you on TV? And then I was like, you stupid idiot. Weren't you briefly a writer there? Weren't you a writer most of your career at most places? I was like, oh yeah. So I do like the WWE allowed for some people to have some time off and i thought and i thought it was good they kept up the tradition they could have cashed in and said oh we're doing our big secret msg show as a raw this year i like that they kept it the way it was well john i will i will say re bray wyatt that i did enjoy the smackdown segment where he attacked a cameraman i thought that was done really well i told you i texted you i said it was really good that that was very good agreed what what made it because you're the horror expert though and you you know you're up into this character so what made it work for you uh the chaos it was it was shot very chaotic and it was it it the fear felt very real from both 
everybody did a really good job as far as the pull apart and the 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 cameraman being attacked, who I assume is a developmental wrestler or a local wrestler of some kind. But I just thought it was really well acted by all by all involved, and there felt like real danger. Ah, uh, no, did you see it coming? No, yeah, okay, interesting. No, and and, and I I will say that going in, I knew what happened. I watched it mm. after I had already found out what happened. But I was pleasantly surprised at how effective it was, even though I knew what was going on. Julie, feelings? Or did you dodge it as you boycott SmackDown? I only watch Raw. (sighs) Sorry. You know, we do know some people in Stanford listen. We have a theory as to a couple of those people. And uh, one of them would be very happy to hear that you're still loyal to Raw. Yeah. So I think, you know what? Good for you. Uh, and also, by the way, uh, hey, we want to send a quick shout out to uh, Danny Hart over at Sports Kita for uh, picking up our little story about last week's episode. The behind the scenes of when our other old boss almost worked with our next old boss. Uh, so go check it out. Well, I was going to say that Sports Kita article is getting some traction and different from most wrestling articles. The comment section's not a complete shit show, which is no, nice. it's very I was kind of happy about that too, because our comments on TikTok were not as favorable about that. We've cultivated an audience over there on a TikTok that's they like a little to speak bit their mind. They, no, they like to speak they, their mind and share their opinions. I have like a razor sharp sense as far as like who to engage with on TikTok now because of my prior engagement with more people than I should have. And so I, I feel that's serving me well. And so far, every time I have interacted with someone over the last few weeks, it doesn't feel like a mistake. So no, I've, I've good, interacted with delightful people and then I have read nothing else. <laughs> the, I would say the response on, from the sports Kita article was pretty favorable. Like people, I was checking it out and people seemed kind of into it. I said to Julie and I'll say it on the record now, I think had Jimmy done that, that would have been huge for him. I think that was, and you were still there. Well, I was still there too, kind of. Yeah, we I hadn't both were. Officially I didn't yet. even know anything about it. <laughs> I was there and I had yeah. no idea this was happening. It was very hush hush until he didn't do it. And then it kind of became a more known because the first thing I will just say there's someone, and I'll tell you off the air, and you can guess who it is, probably Julie, but, but I was greeted by somebody the, my first time into the room at WWE, not with Paul and Ed, because that was my first real meeting. Uh, but someone else, uh, and their very first thing they said to me was, hey, thanks for fucking up our WrestleMania plans. Whoa. <laughs> oh, that is a, how do you do? Still there. Still there, as a matter oh, of fact. Man. Oh, man. Welcome yeah. to work. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I do so remember. It was, really, it, was so like, I it was like, I'm all happy for a fresh start. No, it's the same narrative. We're still doing the same thread, <laughs> just somewhere else. When but, I was at the Tonight Show, I, it was around the same time. There was a show at Madison Square Garden, I think, and I worked on the digital media team. And so we always had to keep a pulse on when Jimmy's trending or when people are talking about him and what is it and all that stuff. And um, I think that night Elias did a song. uh, Yes. And and it was it was skewering Jimmy or something. Oh, that was he did it at the Barclays on that. No, no, no. Uh, At at Barclays, he did it too on Monday Night Raw. Okay, maybe that was it. Yeah, they had like a running that that was supposed to be part of it. But Jimmy liked, as I recall, he wanted to work with he wanted to work with Elias. But someone who came in and uh, sort of shifted 
the creative direction at the Tonight Show, I think was not a fan of that and the whole WrestleMania idea. Was it because Elias was musical? Because Jimmy is very musical. I don't. I honestly don't. No, it's because it was a good idea. Oh, and she didn't believe in those. (laughs) What was the? Can you share the idea? Do you remember the idea with Elias? Yeah, it was going to be a program where Jimmy and Elias, because like you just said, it made sense. And so this other person said, "Oh, that'd be perfect. Here's why you shouldn't do it." Oh, and it was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. That's what we do here." Um, and so I think that was a lot of why certain things didn't happen. But not there anymore. So God bless and fresh start for everyone. Um, um, but, and I will say the person at WWE who greeted me with thanks for for messing up WrestleMania, very kind compared to some of the greetings I got from the person that killed the Elias plans. But as I said, totally over it, totally don't think about it every 10 minutes. Um, (laughs) I don't folks. Um, but Sadie just will pulled say, a Danhausen and just keeps popping up yeah, she just in keeps the popping background up. of the frame. To, I've just I've this. just learned. See, this is like someone's gonna pull this up someday when she's like the champion in AEW, when she's the next Jade or the next uh Brit, and we're gonna look stupid. Right now we're all like, ha ha ha, look at her. We're the we're the goons, we're the heels yes. in this in this podcast. I just want everyone to know, long term booking wise, here's the question. Do we get to the end of that program before they bring back the fiend? <laughs> you stole Bray the Wyatt. joke hey, right happy, out of Tommy's mouth. Yep. Happy 60th birthday to Bray Wyatt. Are you guys going to do it this week? No? Okay. It's, it's uh, step uncle, howdy. Right. I will say that no one has ever gotten seven figures out of fewer bumps than Bray Wyatt at this point. What about Pablo Escobar? Come on. Oh, Come on. Uh, let's move on because we we spent so much time having fun and talking to Kevin and uh, listening to me make my great jokes. Year end stuff, so let's get right to it. Funniest promo of the year. I already got mine, but I want to hear you guys because you put a lot of thought, Julie. You, as a, you really come at it from a writer. Yep. Tommy, you come at it to dissect it. I'm just the, I am the mark of the group, so I want to hear from you guys. Funniest promo of the year. I'm gonna go first. Uh, Luigi Primo getting kicked in the face. The backstage, oh. 100%. Ah, he, st- he took my thought of it made me yeah, laugh. Yeah, that was it. I'm the, but why, Julie? What made it great? I mean, it, was, it was executed perfectly. It was, <laughs> it was, I didn't see it coming, had no idea it would be there. We had just talked about Luigi Primo on the show previously. That was the first AEW show that I sat down and watched live. There was a lot of personal elements. To it. It, was, it was perfect. <laughs> we don't way. have the audio for it, but here it is. I'm a Luigi Primo and I... Alex Marvez was the Alex Marvez. I got to remember Alex Marvez is fantastic. He's so old school in a good way. He really is. Yep. He reminds me of Sean Mooney a little bit. And I say that as a compliment. Like he has that same, like surely this can't be for real. Like sort of, and he's just so good. Well, and they have him running lately for some reason. They have him always running onto the scene of something that's happened backstage. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) AEW is doing Tony. Those guys are doing great. They're doing, I'm just going to say it. Like, they're doing good comedy. Like it's like just from a fundamental standpoint, when I heard about Tony, cause I'll, and I'll throw out an, I'll drop another name on here. I just talked, I texted him a uh, happy Festivus the other day. Uh, someone Julie will know Jonathan Adler, who is uh, friends with Tony Khan. And uh, that's, that's how I got in touch with them a couple times for some things. And um, I was skeptical when I heard Tony was anytime you hear a big comedy fan nowadays, you're like, uh Oh, what does this mean? Like, what is their definition? It's like if someone says, I really like the rap music. You're like, oh, geez, you know, 
But Tony Lowkey has sort of leaned into this goofy persona. And he had a good tweet a couple weeks ago where someone said they made fun of it. He said, oh, did you see the one where he went off? He's like, I haven't worn glasses since I was a little kid. So anyone out there that depicts me in drawings wearing glasses, I just want you to know that you don't have your facts right. And then someone said, you still have the scraggly look. And then he wrote, yes, but the holidays are coming. Lots can change or something like that. And I was like, that's funny. <laughs> yep. Like, that's really. And I was like, Tony knows what he's doing. Like, I think that the storm has cleared a little bit. And even if it's like, How, what do you mean? It's cleared. The numbers are down. Punk's gone. All this crazy. I'm like, you know what? New year, new start. Ran, and rampage ticked be- way up, by the way. Almost 600,000 yes. viewers. There's, there, there's no. a little light at the end of the tunnel at the end of this year for AEW. But you know how Vince dove into being the, the bad guy, like the heel that he, look, let's, he, he admits it, that he really is in the late 90s. I wonder if this was Tony's turn where he was like, all right, fine. I'm just going to be a smart ass nerdy kid. And he's being great. Well, and, like, and by the way, he deserves some credit for not putting himself on television almost the entire year. Because he was doing a little bit of on-camera stuff for the first couple years of AEW, but this year he let the wrestlers wrestle and he let the characters become characters and he stayed out of it. And I love that because it's his company. He could do whatever he wants and he has shown remarkable restraint on camera. Should he be a character though? No. Like, should there be... Really? You don't don't think think it would be kind of funny to have him be like the... But if you look at what's going on now with like the NFT guy... And then you look at like uh, the, far, you know, the pharma bro and all that stuff. You don't think Tony could play that kind of character just sort of in the background as the sort of aloof millennial. I mean, he could, know, but scheming. he hired talented people that he wants to put on TV more than he wants to put himself there. And I, Julie, what do you I think? stand by that? I want Tommy. I want Tommy. Well, really? it would be great until he hires a creative crew who can look at the entire schedule and programming and booking, I think would be to the de- detriment of the show. It would take his eye off the ball. Okay. The brief glimpses of Tony Khan that we've had this year have all been like, like quick cameos, like the one where Orange Cassidy was at the bar making a challenge. And then at the end of the bar was Tony saying, yeah, let's do the match. Like that, <laughs> that was good. That's, yeah. that's how he can include himself. I and it, there's limited television time. I mean, they'd have three hours a week. And some YouTube. Okay. So why not? Well, that's, well, that's yeah. Show, not show to, off not your to go show back. ponies. But that's kind of what I meant by that. Like yeah. just sort of in the background, but just be acknowledged instead of coming out at the end and doing the three, getting down on his knees and thanking everybody. Like maybe if he is, but I guess it would kind of step on Orange Cassidy a little bit, right? Yes. Which is easy to yeah. do because he's short. Oh no. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Well, since we're on a roll, Tommy, your funniest promo of the year. <laughs> Uh, my funniest promo of the year for AEW is the CM Punk All Out Media Scrum, September 4th at Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Post his uh, win for the AEW Championship over John Moxley. That was just whatever it was. And I am still not convinced that that wasn't a work. Um, oh. It was hilarious. It, I mean, the sweaty, bloody, muffin-eating champion just laying down. The bakery shout-out. was. I mean, there's just so much in there, and I don't know how much was scripted. I don't know how much was off the cuff. I think it's probably 50-50, but it was just, I mean, it's still entertaining to sit down and watch it. I don't even agree with half of it as far as what he was saying. 
but it was so unbelievably watchable. Uh, that was my funniest in AEW. My funniest in WWE, I'm going to go deep cut. Uh, Ken Owens, a.k.a. Kevin Owens, confronts Ezekiel. Very deep cut from Monday Night Raw, May 9th. Uh, I just thought that was so funny. Uh, yes, it could have been better, but that was an angle that was already in the shitter at that point, and Kevin Owens just dra- he just dragged it out of the toilet and made something funny of it in that segment, and Kevin Owens is we- always good. What do we think was going to happen with that? Because that was obviously Vince was driving that one. And then when Hunter came back, said no. But like, do we know? I don't think they knew where they were going. No. And I I actually saw it end as it ended. I saw it end with a whimper. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it felt like one of those. We'll figure it out as we go along. Right. It keeps getting pushed. And Vince just laughs and goes, we'll figure it out next time. Sort of right. And that kind of keeps working. Um, I'm going to real quickly. Mine was the one with uh, with Luigi because of Danhausen's perfect entrance. The way he walks in at the end was just so funny. And I know that Tony, I believe he's a big Seinfeld guy, and that had a very Kramer walks in like, hey, what happened here? Like after he causes a problem sort of thing. Like, yikes, whoever did this, you know. Uh, but I will say the first uh, Bloodline promo where Sammy made everyone break backstage. <laughs> And shout out to Roman Reigns for turning Jimmy and Jay and grabbing them both going, no, no, what, what's going on guys. And showing them sort of like in the more cowbell sketch where they kept, Jimmy kept trying to leave and they kept, you know, pulling him back, you know, and, and doing all that. So I would say shout out there. Cause now it's got to the point where, you know, Sammy's going to be great, but that was really, that was risk taking. That was really on Roman's part too. And Roman had the cachet to do it. And I just really don't like when people, I don't get why anyone trashes Roman Reigns online. Still, I don't get that. I saw a Julia Mutual friend of ours who I like, and I won't mention, but someone called Roman out recently on Twitter. Someone we worked with at 30 Rock, who's a big wrestling fan, but kind of made fun of him and said how he hasn't lived up to his potential. Bullshit. I think Roman's exceeded expectations the past few years, and I think that that was a great move on his part, that he's the guy that can get away with that. And he said, this is fun in his head. He's playing a serious character and he knew he was breaking. And instead of trying to call for a cut or whatever, grab the, grab the dudes and said, no, man, let's, let's, let's go for it here. Cause that gave Sammy the creative control and the creative license to, I mean, you had the biggest, the top guy say, this is funny. And that's Talk. coming from the man who said, no, I do not want him on the tonight show. Get me that triple is true. H. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I did. There is a weird band uh, contingency. When, when, who there. do we think is going to kill me first? Our our favorite, our favorite former coworker at WWE, Julie, or our favorite wrestling journalist? The but, journalist man, is it, too busy, like planning out his uh, wrestling conventions, where he can uh, set up a table next to a wrestler who spent fifty years of their life in the ring wrestling, and setting up a table right next to them and charging for autographs. Are you for real? He really does that. Yep, he's got a cameo set up and everything. Griftomania. Yep. So this same, these same people that like call out people like Vince Russo for doing cameo and stuff. He's a journalist and he's going to do the same thing. Remember when that was a, I just want to remind everybody that was a joke gimmick of Bobby Heenan's broadcast journalist. And this person's really doing it in real life. I just hope that someday at one of those conventions, he sets up his table next to the iron Sheik. That's all I ask. (laughs) (laughs) I, I didn't get in there with Kevin. 
because we know Sheiky lives in Toronto. We want to have, we talked with Sheik. Why didn't we should go back and revisit that? Sheiky was going to come on at one point. Um, I think we wanted to see how it went and we're still seeing how it goes. Uh, we're still playing it safe. We're like, yeah, yeah. We, I love the Sheiky. We all birthday love the twin birthday twin. Um, but also, yeah, I, that's crazy. I don't remember Bob Costas going to like hall of fame weekend in baseball and like being like, gather around everyone. It's time to meet Bob Costas. Ugh. I mean, he was, he was helping everyone that couldn't sleep by telling stories, but still, Hey, am Pure I on cringe. everyone's good graces? See what I just did there? I just turned face with everyone in Stanford. They were hating me. And then I hit Bob Costas and they went, Hey, all right. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. I'm a tweener. Funniest storyline of the year. I'm going to throw it out first. Uh, Ezekiel and Elias. Cause it was so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, it deserved a better end. ending, but yes, mm, I don't think it had an end. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah. No, it was one of those things where robotic spider. Ending. Yes. But that's what I was waiting for. I wanted to see what their version of the robot. So I would say that was, but you know what? Shout out to Ezekiel slash Elias because it, he played it very well. Mm. He did the best he could and he, he really made me laugh. It reminded me when we talked about this, it reminded me of Hulk Hogan with Mr. America where I was like, this is so ridiculous. And I see no end game to this other than what happened. And in each case, but I was entertained. It was funny in the moment, you know? So that's my favorite story. Just cause what, like, I remember when he showed up, I was just like, there was always talk. Even when I was there, Julie about Ezekiel or sorry about Elias, maybe doing something different, but man, it was not that like, I was just like, what is happening here? And it just made me laugh in a, you know what it's, they've already lit the fuse. So I'm just going to smile and have a good time. It was such a soap opera move. Like that's like a very typical soap opera trope. And the crowd and their, their vignettes were fantastic. And the crowd was behind and then the crowd was into it. And I was like, I don't think they thought this would be as good. And as the, and like he's really nailing it, and now this has to be a thing. Yeah. So that's mine. What all? What do you guys got? Funniest storyline. Tommy, all you. Uh, funniest storyline of the year for AEW. Danhausen becomes a best friend. Uh, Danhausen mm. kind of showed up in AEW, just popping out from under the ring and cursing people. But joining the best friends faction, I didn't know if it was going to work initially because they seemed pretty self-contained. And Danhausen seems as a ghoul, like a weird fit. Uh, and he turns out to be the best fit. And I love, you know, the Friday Rampage show has basically become the best friends show. And Orange Cassidy and Danhausen and the best friends are always doing something silly on there. And the week to week torture of Mark Henry trying to do his it's time for the main event, which, by the way, the fact that the best <laughs> friends and Orange Cassidy are in the main event on Rampage so much is super cool to me. But the fact that they have had so much fun with Mark Henry, who I love, by the way, Mark Henry, not a more legit person in the history of wrestling. World's strongest man for real. Uh, And he's a guy that I I love that he's with AEW. I I love that he seems happy there. And I love that he's just playing around and having fun and having fun with characters like Orange Cassidy and Danhausen that you may not expect him to have fun with. But yeah, them them torturing him trying to deliver his it's time for the main event every week is awesome. And for WWE, I mean, come on. It's Sami Zayn joins the bloodline. It's and the fact that they haven't given up on it and the fact that they've given it time 
and breathing space and and developed it so well uh, is almost shocking given what's happening to everything else, where everything else seems to just peter out and die, like the Ezekiel storyline. The bloodline story just seems to get stronger and stronger, and I hope it they have some kind of proper close to it, but it's been the funniest thing on WWE for me. Anyway, the first story I just want to, I just want to, in, in, in their defense, though, I do think that somehow Elias slash Ezekiel would have made that entertaining. I do, I don't know yeah. if they had an ending. The, the crowd was still having fun. Yeah, we're, they that, were. Like, we were, there was no, as a, from a writing standpoint, you're like, wow, they're so into a corner with this, because what the, what the hell are you going to do? Because it's not a supernatural character. You can't, you, you can't break any rules. And they had already set it up so well with those videos and vignettes. I was like, this has to be real now. And I was like, they're going to have to legit find a guy who looks just like Elias and somehow hope we don't notice or take far away camera. I mean, they have to do this now. You know what killed it? Felt it, like a, it felt was, like a Black Mirror episode where yeah. I was like, you, you're in, you have to make this work now. And it's not possible. You, you but know what killed the angle? That was the, the fun of it. Yeah. The, the, what killed the angle? was when the audience realized it wasn't going anywhere and they lost confidence mm. in it. Because you remember, and you've mentioned it, Ezekiel was over. And oh, way week over. to week yeah. it was working and it was funny and people were getting a kick out of it. And then all of a sudden it started to feel very wheel spinning and the crowd picked up on that. And once the crowd picked up on that, it died because Ezekiel then started coming out to no pop at all. And it was, the audience noticeably couldn't give a shit because they knew it wasn't going anywhere. And that was the problem was it wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> they were right. The fans were right on that one. Julie, who, who do you, uh, who pops more for you? Ez- Ezekiel, the clean shaven, uh, eighties circa wrestler or, uh, Elias, the guy with the beard, kind of a drifter. Oh, which, one are, which one are you? Ezekiel, for sure. Oh, you liked Ezekiel I more. Did. I did. Re- I, I enjoyed that storyline. I don't know if that for me wasn't the funniest. The funniest for then, me was the uh, R-Truth having different jobs from week to week. Oh, God. Yeah. Was probably for me. I got to throw the 24-7 title some love. I mean, the last year it'll be around, I guess, I suppose. So uh, that was I always looked forward to saying, what, what's R-Truth's job going to be this week? Well, and that's, yeah, that's wasn't, all truth, by the way. There's, I, I don't see anyone like helping him with that. That was his. You could tell. No, and I remember that if he would take an idea and just know what to do with it, too. Yeah. He, like, he's he one made of those everything, guys yeah. Where it's, just like, where it's just like, so you do this thing where you like run into the goalpost, and you're like, oh, yeah, and then maybe I, like, like I go horizontal, even though it's like, instead of running just into it, I run like, like with my waist. Okay, got it. It was like, that's weird. Okay. Yeah. It's exactly what we meant. Um, like I'm sure but, someone said you're going to be a marriage counselor and then he ran with it and made it hilarious and showed up with a tie and a vest and no shirt underneath. And it's just, he's so funny. First of all, two things, please send me, send me that email. I'm still here. And second of all, Ron Killings, think of what you could do if you were Ron Killings, maybe somewhere else like AEW. Because as we just said, there's a very entertaining Friday night program. And over there, you'd get to use the name Ron Killings, which is a fantastic wrestling name. Okay. So, uh, funniest women's wrestler of the year. I'm just going to go quick and I'm going to say Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. Okay. Yeah. Big time Becky Lynch. Uh, The one thing that really got me, I mean, I love the whole run, but when Bianca cut her hair and they did the vignette of her like fixing her hair at the salon 
And she said, I ain't no Karen. She was making sure <laughs> that they didn't give her a mom haircut. And then they gave her that really cool, like anime style, uh, layered David haircut. Bowie. With, oh, that was yeah. awesome. I, yeah, yeah. She, she was hilarious all year. And I will say for AEW, uh, it's a toss up between Dr. Brick, Britt Baker, DMD, yes. and, uh, also Jade Cargill. Cause Jade Cargill is very funny with Tony Schiavone. Her She's Tony cut the Twitter shit too. moments. Yeah. I enjoy her humor on Twitter. Uh, also, uh, Becky Lynch is not on Twitter and not on social media as much as she used to be. When, but when she is, she's always funny. And uh, is, also a little, little love towards Asuka, who's always funny oh, on social yes. media. And, and also, lately very I love, compelling. I love Becky's dance moves. And yes. I think I would love to see Becky Lynch go head to head in a dance battle with Sami Zayn. I think the two of them could have an epic dance battle based on their moves. What? Oh, I love that idea. That's fantastic. That'd be a crazy visual, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, don't yeah. Know how, I don't know how you'd get there, but bring back the Slammy Awards. Oh, God. If, if not the guy that danced at him. <laughs> that's been showing. I, that's been going viral again. And, you know, we're keeping this a friendly year end up. So, man, 2023 could be real interesting. You're reading some of the rumors that NBC may try to outright buy WWE. And that's the rumor and innuendo. Shout out to WrestleMania. They've, they've mentioned us a couple times and uh, they, I like those guys. WrestleMania. Yeah, they're great. And, uh, they're, yeah. And they're just quick British. Give you all your news to the point, you know, that day and no real comment. Just here it is. And uh, they kind of mentioned that there was, there was a rumor that NBC may buy it. And that may be why Vince is showing up again saying, uh, uh-uh, I want to own this thing. So Julie's just shaking her head, but that could make for an interesting episode. And uh, hey, man, it's free. It's a free game for us. We get to talk about that because we're covering it. But we'll we'll wait until it happens or it doesn't. But wow. Vince versus NBC. Think about that. My gosh. No, no, no baby faces, all heels. No, I'm just going to say <laughs> I'll take your 2016 election. I'll take your Freddy versus Jason, your Kong versus Godzilla. Throw all that out the window. I don't yep. even <laughs> And really, that's, that's going to be just like Ezekiel Elias, where I'm just going to go, I'm just going to watch. I, I don't know what's going to happen here, but funniest men's wrestler. Now, I'm going to veer off a little bit here. No, it's not veer. Uh, but um, I got to give it to Dan Housen. Dan Housen, thank you. That's all of our answers, yeah. right? Unless, unless no, Tommy I know, swerves I know, and I goes know. Orange Cassidy. I, no, I'm going to hold He's, out. Of course he is. I'm going to hold out. I'm KO. <gasps> Yeah. What? Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens? Yeah. Because I mean, Kevin Owens is not only consistently funny in promo work, he's so funny in the ring. If you listen to a Kevin Owens match, there is so much trash talk and it is all just loaded with Easter eggs and like storytelling. And he's just a guy that packs so much into everything that he says inside and outside of the ring. Kevin Owens is, is my pick. Oh my gosh, Todd, you're yeah. just being contrarian to be contrarian. Yeah, no. seriously, I kind of feel like that. Like, you're you like, made, I do you have made us get on the you're Dan Housen train, and now I feel like I'm being abandoned. Being I'm not done yet. I do have an AEW one as well. And it's not Orange, and it's not Dan Housen. What is wrong with you? My what is, is it? wrong funniest, with you? Oh, I, funniest AEW presence is the ROH AEW Dalton Castle. The Peacock. Dalton Castle First of all, you guys have to get into him. You would love him. All right. He's a former, former ROH champion. Former I love that his, 
He's the peacock too. That's a really <gasps> former funny little... radio MC in Rochester, New York, who used to interview wrestlers and got a lot of great interviews with with uh, hey, star wrestlers. Are you, are you guys talking to a future AEW champ in me? Huh? It's never too late. How old was Vince's first match in the ring? Oh, he's in his fifties, I think. Yeah. I'll see you guys in 10 years. All righty. Well, he's also, so Dalton Castle, also owner of a degree in theater and communications. Uh, Dalton is I, ostensibly straight. He's married to a woman, but plays a very uh, androgynous character that I don't find to be condescending or uh, in bad taste. And Dalton Castle. Like Adrian Street. Yeah. And he comes to the yeah. ring with the boys, which are two shirtless guys with Mardi Gras masks on. <laughs> and they will catch him if he falls out of the ring. So they okay. great in lumberjack yeah. matches. He is just an absolute scream. AEW not only has to sign him, but they have to use him. They have to work that guy in. He is just a, an absolute gem. Hilarious. And my son and I, every time Dalton Castle wrestles, we're both laughing from the entrance all the way till the end of the match. He's awesome. There you go. So how old is Zoe now? He just had a birthday. He is nine years old. Just turned. N- Dude, that's prime age yep. for following professional wrestling. So we know we have some listeners down in Jacksonville. Well, Take and, that for uh, gospel. And Castle is just unabashedly silly and just like almost impossible to hate because he's also very good in the ring. But Dalton Castle and the boys, that's a great act. And I hope going forward that Tony signs him for good and, uh, and puts him on the roster and puts him in some feuds because that guy can work and he's super funny. Think of how crazy... See, to everyone that says wrestling's boring right now or whatever, or it needs comedy, okay, say what you want storyline-wise, but in terms of comedy, think of the year Sami Zayn has had. How funny he's been, but he was none of our number one pick. Just in terms of what really does exist, if you watch it to enjoy it and have fun. I'm not, again, there are some times, and, it, you know, there are, there are some times, and I, I was more patient than you guys with the Bray Wyatt thing. Then, you know, and then you ended up being right. So there are some times where it does get tedious and frustrating. You're like, this isn't funny anymore, but the funny stuff is very funny. So, you know, I would just say people out there, it's a, there's no, I think the, think about Sammy and how great he's been. And he's like, still not quite number one or number two. Funniest. uh, Okay, here we go. Funniest thing you would have pitched real quick thing. It's just, I wanted them to have one more backstage, them being WWE where Sammy was trying to get in with the bloodline. Remember how he kept going to knock on the door? Yes. And then he'd look both ways and he'd knock on the door and then Paul would answer and go, Mr. Zane. And like always Paul, Paul would be the one there. I so wanted them to do the three stooges mechanism where he'd go knock, 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 look to his left or right. And then the door opens and he keeps knocking and he hits Paul right in the forehead. And just, what are you doing? That's all I wanted. I wanted that spot where, and I'm so close. I almost texted that to Paul to be, but I knew that that, that would mean it would never happen. <laughs> I wanted to create like a, like a burner account and be like, hello, this is the comedy ghost of the future. And this is a spot you should do. But if there was a, if there was a gif of Sammy Zayn going to knock on a door and hitting Paul Heyman three times, knocking on his forehead, that thing would be fucking everywhere forever. Like that would be so viral and great. That's the one thing I would have, just a quick little, like right before he's in with the group, just knock on Paul's head a couple times by mistake and have Paul sell it like, what are you doing, young man? Well, that would have been fantastic. Not, maybe it's not too late. Maybe they could still come back and revisit it. 
They are listening. I owe you guys good. I, I owe them good ideas. So go ahead and take it. No charge. Putting it on the record right now. You guys, Julie, you want to pitch? Sure. Uh, I have one more job that I would have pitched for our truth. And that would be when Vince McMahon retired, that our truth would say that he's certified as a chairman now <laughs> and step into that and step into that role. Nice. Would he have? <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. Thank you. That's such a that's, you know, something they, Julie, they need you at a time like that. When things are so dark, that would bust up the room. The Mr. Killings no character. One. Yep. Even, yeah. even, even, even Hunter would laugh at that. I mean, that's just funny. And then like, also if he thought part of it was having like a big chair. <laughs> so he had like a director's chair. Like he's like, I'm the director of the board and the chairman. What the hell is that? It's my director's chair. Yes. And he just brought it everywhere with him. And it said, Mr. Killings on it. That would be so outstanding. Oh gosh, that would have been great. It's my pitch. I think it, I don't know in the moment it would have gotten the levity. We all can look at it with now. <laughs> Oh, we would have loved it. We, eh. <laughs> but looking back, if you could go back and do a, you know, uh, what if sort of in the Marvel Marvel universe with WWE, that would have been really fun to have him. As <laughs> God, I love that idea. Yep. He just assumes that he's like, well, I got this chair. <laughs> it's me now. God, how long have you had that idea? That's really funny. I just, I was thinking about it today when you, when you put out the outline and it's like, that, that would have been my pitch. I mean, I know, I know they don't do GMs anymore, really. I mean, Adam Pierce kind of, but he would be a great, a great GM. Our truth, oh, GM. Julie, Julie just made a face. Our truth is a great GM. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Tommy, what would you have pitched? All right. So I have uh, one short pitch and one saga, uh, but the short pitch quickly. Uh, you guys know I loved Orange Cassidy versus Wardlow. Uh, because what? it was no. so outrageously silly. Also, I loved it because Jim Cornette and Dutch Mantel and. Uh, you know, the, the, the usuals didn't like it at all. And uh, anytime that I can disagree with those pumpkin headed hillbillies, I will. Oh, road dog, Jesse James. He also didn't like it. Um, I will say that this got cut Tommy, but this one was for you. The match that I enjoyed the most was at AEW seeing orange Cassidy and Pac feud. Yes. That was the funniest, most interesting match that I had encountered. I, I just, I think you're spot on. There's something about those matches, especially seeing them live. I'm so excited. Tommy's going to get to see an AEW show live. I cannot wait. I'm pumped. Anyways, I just want to, I want to say you're correct and they're wrong. Yes. And I can't wait to see that in person on the 11th. But so Orange Cassidy versus Wardlow, I would have stretched that to three matches. I would have done a best of three TNT championship because that first match was so fun. Uh, Bryce Remsburg who is the referee of most of Orange Cassidy's matches. He's great. He and Aubrey Edwards are my two favorite re um, wrestling referees. Aubrey. And uh, so <laughs> Remsburg was the one that threw out the chainsaw when <laughs> the best friends tried to give Orange Cassidy a chainsaw to use against Wardlow at, with the line, is this your chainsaw? Then you're out of here. So I would have the best of three championship. The that reminds me of Naked Gun. That's oh, a very so, Naked Gun baseball so scene. And that's why you do three of them. So the second match is no holds barred, and you have Orange Cassidy make his entrance, and then the best friends roll a tank into the arena. <laughs> and Remsburg says, is this your tank? Then you're out of here. Throws them out. <laughs> so then you have, so Orange Cassidy is, uh, is big on Twitch, and uh, I assume a gamer. And so you have a bunch of just silly, broad weapons coming. You have the best friends continuing to come to the ring and interfere with crazy weapons. And you have Orange win that match. And then you have the rubber match. Third match, 
Falls Count Anywhere, and you have that in New York City, and the match begins in the ring, and Orange Cassidy just runs out of the ring and runs out of the arena, and it's just the rest of the show, you have Orange Cassidy and Wardlow, Wardlow running through the streets like King Kong, chasing <laughs> chasing Orange Cassidy through landmarks. Would it be expensive and you'd have to get permits? Yeah, sure, but that would have been so much fun. I'm, both of my pitches, I think, would have been too expensive, ultimately. But uh, my second funniest thing that I would have pitched for WWE, I would have had Jay Uso takes Sami Zayn to the Polynesian island country of Samoa to introduce him to the elders of the bloodline, a.k.a. the Samoan dynasty, so that he can be officially rejected and outcast from the family, only to find out that the Samoan elders are charmed and won over by Sami's goofy ways, and as the ultimate insult to injury is the segment closing with Jay's dad, Rikishi Fatu, who is the lone skeptic among the Samoans who doesn't seem to really like Sammy, putting on his classic yellow shades to dance with Sammy as we end the scene with a slow curb your enthusiasm shot of a broken Jay Uso sheepishly smiling. That would have been my pitch, and that would have been awesome. Would you end on the actual curb theme song? If you could get it, would sure, you- but I know WWE doesn't pay royalties for music. <laughs> No, they would just do like, did Paul ever go through that with you, Julie? All the theme songs and what they're really, someone said, that's not true, Paul. And he went, oh yeah. And he had like nine in a row. Like he'd been waiting to do it. And we were all like, <laughs> it was like that thing when they mash up songs on YouTube and you're like, oh God, that is the same song. And um, wow. I went, yeah, would it be able to like a knockoff curve? Like, to sound alike, yes. Oh, curb your enthusiasm on the ukulele. Oh my God. That would have been. <laughs> been great. But seriously, guys, how did they not take Sammy to Samoa? How great it's would expensive. that have been? <laughs> yeah, but still, maybe a little, maybe like a they little don't too have the real. Money. Come on. Um, before we get into it, though, you had Tommy, you made a good point. Speaking of TV theme songs, about what's so Rampage and Dynamite, they're on Turner and Dynamite's on TBS. What's always on TBS right before Dynamite? Uh, if it's not the Big Bang Theory, it's hoops. But yeah, we're, we're talking about the Big Bang Theory and the theme of which was written and performed by the Bare Naked, Bare Ladies. Naked Ladies by Ed Robertson and Kevin Hearn, who we just said on the show tonight. So, yeah. So what was your pitch going to be that Bare I mean, Naked I, Ladies do a Big I, Bang I, Theory style song for AEW? Well, I wanted to confirm. Uh, I wanted Kevin to confirm or deny the rumor that I made up that the Bare Naked Ladies were going to do the new theme song for Dynamite. <laughs> well, hopefully they will. Yeah, and, you know, hope because he's he's hooked. He's going to be back in. He's going to watch it. Like he's just going to pop into our Zoom one day when we're doing the other. Hey guys, you won't believe it, but like I can't stop watching this now. Going to be like, oh my god, did you know that Dusty Rhodes' son was Gold Dust? That's fucked up. <laughs> I would love. Are you kidding me? A bare naked lady song about wrestling? That's Beautiful. it. Beautiful. That's just, that. That would just be implanted into my ears forevermore. Um, AEW, as we just mentioned, AEW Dynamite, eight o'clock on Wednesday nights on TNT. AEW Rampage, Friday nights on TBS, and then WWE Raw Monday nights at eight on USA. Friday nights at eight on Fox. I think that was a pretty decent episode to go out of 2022. What do you guys think? I Super agree. Fun. Thanks again to Kevin Hearn. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Dreaming of the 80s, the new album. And thank you all for listening. Uh, please subscribe, review, and give us a nice five-star rating. 
Hey, make sure you tick our talk. We are at Turnbuckles Pod on TikTok and on Instagram, and we're also on YouTube every episode. Have a safe and happy New Year, Buckleheads, and see you in 2023. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.